0: Um, well, good evening. Hello, everyone. Yes, I am Jeff. It's true. I'm not quite sure where to stand now. Do I stand up here? Is that weird? No. Behind this thing? I don't know. I should watch more closely when Eric's talking. But anyway, um, just uh, if anybody is interested, a little bit about me. I live like one block that way, so it is so great to be able to. I don't know why walking to church is so exciting, but I get to walk here, and it's that's yeah, that made my day. So. Anyway, um, yeah, uh, again, I've been in this area for about mm, five or six years now, and uh, married, I have two kids, Uh, and I am a big sports fan. So do we have sports fans? I know I see a couple of sports jerseys. How about like NFL? Is anybody really missing the NFL right now? One person, two people, four people, thank you, okay. I wore my my Chargers jersey today, just, just, and this is like, this is San Diego Chargers, my friends. I don't know if anybody cares, but anyway. No, to be honest, I'm more of a baseball fan, but this, this, thank you, this time of year though is definitely, if you're a football fan, it's rough, because there's nothing. You guys, you guys have to wait till August, till anything happens, so um, for me, uh, as both a sports fan and a movie fan, there's two, two remedies that I have when I'm missing football. The first one is I watch the movie The Replacements with Keanu Reeves, not a good movie, but it's football, and the second one is my favorite, Rudy. You guys know Rudy? I hope so. I, no? Only a couple? Okay. Sean Astin, which you guys probably know from Stranger Things now, but uh, from Goonies and from Lord of the Rings. Anything? So anyway, little bit of background because we got, uh, it's, it may or may not be relevant. But, um, so the movie Rudy is a moderately true story about this high school senior who desperately wants to play football at the University of Notre Dame. Turns out, though, he's lousy at school and not so great at football either. But he, this is his dream, he really wants to do it, so he goes to junior college, and he's working really hard. He befriends a priest, because Notre Dame is a, a Catholic school, befriends this priest who's kind of like trying to help him get into school. And right kind of at this moment, uh, we're going to watch a clip in, in just a second, where um, he's kind of at wit's end. Like, like, he's reached that point where he's been applying and applying and getting rejection after rejection after rejection, and he's reached this point where it's like, this is it. If I don't get in now, I'm never going to get in. I feel like I've learned almost as much from that 90-second clip about my faith from almost any sermon I've ever heard. Nothing against great sermons, but those two lines that that priest just said, prayer is something that we do in our time, answers come in God's time, like for me, like right there, that's like 80% of what you need to know about prayer, is that Prayer is not about getting God to do something, even getting him to give you an answer, because God is God, and that's the second part, right? There's two things that we know. There is a God, there is someone, something that created everything, and it's not me. Something is in control of this whole thing, including my life, and it's not me. Those two concepts, for me, like, yeah, that's, that's, that's everything, that's the core of everything that we believe, those two things. And they're the first two things on your sheet. Huh? huh? Anyway, so, um, but as we're talking about prayer, that's really where I wanted us to start. Because the reality, I think, as we're talking about prayer, you guys know in this series we've been talking about the Lord's Prayer, uh, which is, you know, this, probably the most famous prayer of all time uh, that Jesus talks about and and. Even with that, so often, I feel like that prayer has been, um, has been misunderstood. Like, I, I know for me, I, I wasn't a, a believer when I was in high school. I came to, to faith later on, uh, and I know the first time I was sitting in a church, and the, the pastor or whatever says, like, let us recite the Lord's Prayer, and then everybody goes into that kind of robot voice that we do, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It kind of freaked me out, if I'm honest. Like, it was... It was It's a little jarring, and not only that, it's almost like we think if we've memorized these exact words, that that's gonna do something. Like, God's gonna be impressed that we've memorized these words. And I love, like, what Sarah was talking about last week. Literally, the verses right before this prayer, Jesus says, that's not the point. Like, it's not about these magic incantations, these magic words that you're going to say. That's not what prayer is. When you pray, he says, say this. So that's what I want us to do. Um, let's start off with looking at the entire prayer that Jesus says in Matthew 6. If you have your Bibles, you can go there. It's right there in the move. It's right there in the middle of Matthew chapter six, but we will have it up on the screen. if you do not have a Bible. Uh, it starts like this in verse nine. This then is how you should pray, "Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done." On earth as it is in heaven, give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. My translation's different, so I, I cheated off the screen. But. So, again, one of the most famous prayers last week, uh, Sarah got to talk about the, the, how huge it is that Jesus starts off by talking about our Father, that it's not just like we're praying to God or we're praying to the Lord or we're praying to the King. All of those would be appropriate, but the fact that Jesus chooses to use that word Father is huge. Uh, and then that, that he says our. He doesn't say my. He says our, that he's including all of us in it so today I want us to dive into kind of the meat that second section but first off there's two more things that I want to uh, I want to talk about prayer because for me these are my two biggest mistakes that I always make with prayer uh, and they're, they're the two things that prayer is not and the first thing that prayer is not prayer is not that God is our genie and that might sound silly and like well of course I know that but let's be honest like How many times have we slipped into that exact same temptation? That if I can just pray the exact right thing, I can get God to do what I want him to do. If I say the right words, if I memorize the Lord's prayer, or if I, for me, like, you know, you get a little more advanced and you're like, well, what if I confess first, but I really confess? It's like a deep, like, whatever. Maybe God will do what I want if I do that. All of that is still treating God like he's my genie, like, Ultimately, like, I'm God and he's not. He's ultimately my servant if I can just manipulate him through prayer. And that's not what prayer is. Now, the second thing that prayer is not, and I think this is an interesting one, I would say prayer is not new information to God. Whether we are confessing something in prayer, whether we're even asking, God, I really want this. The Bible says God knows what we want even before we ask him. So it's not about, it's yeah, again, it's not like he's surprised. Like, you did what now? Like, you want what? No, God knows all this stuff. So this is where it gets kind of weird, because if you think about it, if prayer is not trying to get God to do what I want, I want a miracle, God, do this for me. I will pray, so you will do it. If prayer is not giving him new information, then what the heck is prayer? And I would say and this is where, when we go back to the Lord's Prayer, the interesting thing about the Lord's Prayer is it's kind of a, I would almost call it like a blank prayer. It's almost like a template or an outline, like insert prayer here, sort of a scenario, where he's giving you kind of like a framing framing mechanism so that we can learn how to pray. So, prayer then, along those lines, I would say prayer is much more of a framing mechanism in itself. It's much more about how do we posture our hearts, how do we frame ourselves into being the kind of people that God is making us into being. So we'll talk about that in a second, because that gets kind of complicated, but um, I want us to go back, can we go back to, uh, what is it, verse 10, I think, right? Kingdom come, will be done, or is that verse 11? Yes, verse 10, I was right. All right, so as we we look at this prayer specifically, this is what I think is really, really interesting is, um, again, Sarah talked about our Father in heaven, how that's kind of the address. The next three statements that Jesus makes, uh, a lot of experts think all three of them is connected to that third line, on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is praying, may your name be hallowed, may your kingdom come, and may your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. So, what we can understand, like in other words, what Jesus is praying, there is something that is true about heaven that is not true about earth, right, and Jesus is praying that it would be true about earth, that in heaven, his name is hallowed, his kingdom has come, his will is done, on earth, those things have not happened. Does that make sense? So, um, uh, oh, 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 one one thing I I do wanna clarify. Um, the word heaven, now I don't know about you guys, but for me, I have a hunch that a number of us, when we see the word heaven, we're thinking puffy clouds, angels, harps, or the place you go when you die. Now, that's not really what Jesus is talking about right here. What, what, when the Bible talks about heaven, or when, like, the concept Jesus is referring to, is more like God's domain, like God's, 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 God's reigning, like I heard one person uh, say the analogy would be like like the White House, for example. Now if I said the White House said this, none of you guys would think that you know, this white building is talking. You would think that the authority of the President of the United States is what is, is being represented through that phrase, right? So that's kind of this idea. When we're talking about heaven, this is God's kingdom, God's reign that is being referred to. Okay, so just to to clarify that we're not quite talking about the place you go when you die. We're talking about God's reigning. Okay, so going back to this idea that um, these three concepts, I want to specifically talk about these two, your kingdom come and your will be done. Jesus is saying they're not being done on earth, but they are being done in heaven. Now another one, just to kind of understand, is that apparently the way that Jesus said that phrase, your kingdom come, your will be done, we would, if we were standing there, we would understand that those two things are the same thing. Basically, he's saying, your kingdom comes when your will is done or your will is done when your kingdom comes. Okay? Those two are, those two are, are interconnected. Because, and the reason that's important, for me, I'm not sh- quite sure what God's kingdom, that's a little fuzzy, but God's will, I'm like, okay, I get that. Like, this is God's will being done. Those two are the same. So we can talk about those being the same thing. So, this is for me where this prayer gets so crazy. So God's will, Jesus is praying that God's will is done on earth as it is in heaven. So that means God's will is not always done on earth. It is always done in heaven, but it's not always done on earth. So let me, let me, let me, let me just let that one set for a, a, a second because for me, that's a little... That's a little scary. God's will is not always done on earth. I don't know if you guys are anything like me, but for me, when I hear that, one of my first thoughts is that, like, well, wait a minute, like, isn't like, God God? Like, God is this, like, all powerful, all created. He creates and, and holds everything together. And if God's not in control of any, everything, then, like, like what, what kind of an all powerful God is He? And, and I don't think that's quite the, the, the way that we're supposed to think about this because the reality is, and theologians have debated over like why did God give us free will? Did he give us free will? But the part that makes a lot more sense is, think about it this way. If God's will is always done on earth, then that means that it is God's will that the Holocaust happened. It's God's will that there was racism. It's God's will that COVID-19 happened. It's God will, God's will that there is murder and there is et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So the fact that for one reason or another, God allows other wills to be done on earth kind of makes a lot more sense to me, but it does mean that like that, that's more the explanation of a lot of that stuff, you know? Murder is not God's will. Murder is somebody else's will. And the reality is, We're kind of the main ones that are here. I would say the main reason for the suffering in this world is that our wills are being done instead of God's will. So that when Jesus then is praying, your will be done, he's also praying, not my will be done, but your will being done instead of my will. So what does that look like? So for me, um, when I decided uh, I wanted to become a youth pastor, uh, and I I was, um, I'm a little bit older, it seems like a lot of youth pastors get in like right in college or maybe even earlier and stuff like that, and I was in like my mid-twenties and stuff like that, and so, um, but, and I was in finance at the time, and the thing, maybe you guys know this about finance, obviously you're dealing with money, so there's a lot of money in finance, so to be honest, I wasn't making a ton of money, but I was definitely like in line to make a lot of money. And uh, the interesting thing that I found becoming a, a, a believer is I really, I find the act of giving money to be a really powerful spiritual act. Like I didn't grow up in a family where we gave away money at all. So all of a sudden saying like, whoa, whoa, whoa I'm just giving this money to just giving it away, why? Like, the only way that makes sense to me is if Jesus is doing something. So I found that really powerful. The idea of, like, so, whoa, what if I got a job where I'm making, like, like four, five, $600,000 a year, and I'm giving away four, $500,000, like, wow, that would be amazing. What could, you know, what could the church, what, what could be done with all of that money? I found that to be a really powerful um, uh, prospect, but then came this opportunity to be a youth pastor. And I don't know if you guys know, <laughs> youth pastors aren't making $400,000, dollars $600,000. No, 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 you don't get into youth pastors. For, sorry, Claire, if this is news to you. Yeah, yeah, this is not, this is not the career choice to make a lot of money. Um, so that was the interesting thing, is that I had in front of me these two choices. This like So going down this path, making a lot of money, but giving a lot of money, Or this, not making a lot of money, but it's more of like, you know, giving your your life or your time or whatever you want to say. it. So I I think both really, really good options. God could do a lot in both of the directions. But for me, I was like, well, you know what? Like, I really want to turn this decision over to God. I want God, God, what is your will? Which path would you have me go down? So I was praying and praying and praying, God, which direction do you want me to go? Nothing for days and days and days, I just felt like I was hearing nothing. And I was baffled. Not that, again, like, okay, answer's come in God's time. That's true. But it was just, there was no sense of anything. And I don't know about you guys, like, for me, when I've prayed, I've never heard, like, an audible voice, like, Jeffrey, you should do that. I've never, that's not what an answer to prayer looks like for me. But I was getting nothing of any sort. So then, <coughs> excuse me, as I'm sitting with this days later and I'm wondering like, where is my answer? Um, I started getting the sense that you know what? I'm not sure I'm actually doing this. Here God, which one do you want me to choose? I kinda feel like I'm doing this. Where I'm like, God, which one, but I wanna do this one, which but and I kinda got the sense from God, it's like, are you actually surrendering either of these? Could I tell you either one and you'd be okay with it? And at the time, I was, uh, that was what really struck me. Like, no, I don't think I have. So I finally got to that point of like, okay, you know what? I'm fine either way. And that was what, because to be honest, I was always leaning po- towards the youth pastor side. And it wasn't until I said, you know what? I think I'd be fine staying in finance that I kind of got the sense that he nudged me over towards the youth pastor side. So, For me, again, this idea of surrender is not just about um, it doesn't matter what I want or I want what you want or or, or, yeah, my wants don't matter, but it's more this idea I want to want what you want. I heard this pastor say one time, which has taken me years to try and process what this meant, but he said the goal of the Holy Spirit is to so transform our hearts that we can literally do anything we want. And I was, I, again, I spent years thinking about that, and I'm just like, what, I, what he's talking about is the idea that if the Spirit changes us from inside, we're not going to want to do anything that God doesn't want. It's literally a heart change, not just a behavior change. Changing us from the inside, that, so we literally want the things that he wants. So now let's go back to um, then talking about God's kingdom because this is where I think this comes into play. Now, I don't know if you guys know this, the main message that Jesus preached in his time on earth was this. Mark uh, chapter one, verse 15. Still, a way undervalued verse in the Bible, if you ask me. Do we have that one? Okay, (laughs) it's kind of, see, it's way underused, isn't it? Uh, The time has come, Jesus said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. This is Jesus' main message to the world. Again and again and again. Now, I think for a lot of us, we maybe jump to repent or something like that, but the big thing he's saying is the kingdom of God has come near. And what's so awesome about that is the word Jesus uses for near doesn't mean like it's coming soon. It doesn't mean like just wait a couple more years or just don't like as soon as you die, you're going to be there. Instead, the word near he's talking about is much more like the stand is near. Like it's literally within your reach. You could reach out and you can grasp it. The kingdom of God has come within your grasp. And so, Praying for that, praying that God's will would be done and his kingdom has come means that everything that we do, Wednesdays, Sundays, the Bible, Jesus' teaching, all of that is not just about tips and advice and like, how do we live a better life, but how how do we reach out and grab this? How do we live a completely different life? How do we live this kingdom? Because when Jesus is talking about heaven, Jesus isn't talking about a place that you go. He's not talking about, again, when you die or something like that. Jesus is saying heaven is a way of life. And heaven is accessible to you right here and now today. Right here and now today. We can choose love instead of hate. We can choose to forgive instead of holding grudges. We can choose to be patient and kind and not envy and not boasting, not proud, not dishonoring others, not self seeking, not easily angered, no record of wrongs, does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. Heaven always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Heaven, or Paul calls it love, never fails. And we should want that. And not just for, and this is what's, so, what's such good news, is it's not just for each one of you guys. It's not just if you live this way, how awesome would that be? But what would, what would this world look like? And it's not some silly pie in the sky. This is what we're doing here, everybody. We're literally people that believe that that world is here now is within our grasp. We can live that way, and then we can help the rest of the world live that way too. I mean, just imagine, just imagine if just one time out of every hundred that people chose hate, they chose love instead. I mean, just imagine if one more person forgave. Just imagine what that, what that world would look like. That's what Jesus is praying for. Jesus is praying that that kingdom would come because it's already come in heaven. And what would it look like to to come here on earth? And that we're shaping our hearts. We're trying to become the kind of people that want that. Want that for ourselves and want that for our world. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you for um, this night. Thank you that, uh, yeah, we are able to gather and talk about your kingdom. Thank you that you gave this sermon and you told us this prayer hundreds upon hundreds of years ago and we're looking at it today and we're chewing on what, what does that look like to pray for your kingdom to come here, now, today. I pray that your kingdom has come even in small ways, in each one of our hearts, tonight and every night. And I pray that we can be the kind of people that live this way, that want to live this way, that don't need to brag about it or don't need to like put a label on it, but we can just love. We can just live like we're these kind of people. And I pray that we would... um, Yeah, we'd be more and more those kind of people. I pray that our hearts would be shaped into the kind of people that desire that life and desire that world. Thank you. We love you. In your name we pray.